Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number 108. It's Monday. We're here at the start of a brand new week, this time for a results and recap of a big pay-per-view event that happened Saturday night, UFC 263. One new champion. We had a five-round Featured bout. Feature bout. Thank you. For, you're always coming in with that with that feature bout. Um, a lot to go over here, but before we do, Dominic, how are you feeling? I know a lot busy, busy times for you right now, but how's it going? Yeah, man, hanging in there, uh, having a good time. It was nice having some fights on Saturday. Big pay-per-view, as you mentioned. Got to celebrate a close high school friend's wedding, so it was nice. Mm-hmm. Reminiscing, seeing some old friends. Congratulations to the newlyweds. Uh, and our one of our best friends, who's going to have a voice message on Wednesday's episode, got engaged. So uh, although Noah and I are a little lonesome, we've got some <laughs> friends that are thriving right now. So, uh, you know, you yeah. got to cheer them on. Happy for them. So, yeah, I'm so uh, you happy. know who you are. So happy. I'm so happy for them for uh, reminding me about <laughs> yeah. how lonely I am. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. Uh, shout out to JP for his engagement that's but uh yeah man i mean life's good another fun week ahead more fights to cover this week a three episode week Mm -hmm. how was your weekend my brother it was good um not a whole lot different going on right now you know summer in the college town it's there's not much differentiation it's when it's a little quieter yeah yeah it's a little quieter but uh, we still get rowdy sometimes yeah, right, right right but no in general just uh watch the pay-per-view by myself in my apartment so lonely i'm just kidding <laughs> but yeah I, was, uh, just, I just bought the pay-per-view like an idiot like, a loyal fan not no, an I'm idiot come I've, on I've been, come on people for I the culture the this is for no, the fans I, I always buy the pay-per-view but i'm just saying Watching it by yourself, you're just like, man, I really paid all this money. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just hits a little harder. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was, you know, apparently broke a record for the most in octagon time yeah. for a paper or I guess any UFC event, which to me is kind of crazy. It didn't feel that long. Right. Like, I've watched events where I'm like, oh, we're, we're pushing. <laughs> Yeah, time right now, but like this one didn't feel that long, but uh, I guess it ended up being. Yeah, uh, there were uh, 14 fights, 11 mm-hmm. via decision for a total octagon time of three hours and 19 minutes. So mm-hmm. it beat the record by like 12 minutes, I think. Wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah, and the record was uh, Fight Island, UFC 251. Yeah, 251. So. so that's another shocker for me. But Yeah, uh, both so recent. It's weird. I know. But uh, anyways, yeah, normal, pretty normal weekend, but nothing exciting to really go over. Now, let me tell you, um, I want to update from my talk. I, I brought this up sometime last week about uh, the um, – now I can't even talk. Oh, no, choking <laughs> under pressure. <laughs> I know, like – Talk about Peacock, the subscription service. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> the face you just made. I didn't know if you went to a zoo and petted a peacock. I didn't know where we were going. Um, so, you know, I was talking about subscription yes. services yes. and how they're all piling up. Well, I'm not going to lie. I've been on a big, big binge of those aforementioned Monday Night Raws. Yes, which um, I love. love I've it. been going – I started – I'm in 2000. I started right at the beginning of 2000. I'm already in October. 
Wowzers. And I've watched the pay-per-views. And that's I've had this service for what, like two weeks? Hey, but I bet it feels so good to <clears throat> reminisce just, on the good old days. Exactly. It Nothing takes me better. Back, takes me back. Not that I guess I was watching in 2000, but so we not grew up on. after, but that's what I grew up watching on DVD and yep. stuff like that. So it's uh, it's nice, but it's made me a bit of a hermit these last couple of weeks. <laughs> right. I haven't left the apartment too much. I haven't even opened up the blinds. Hey, to be it. fair, this past week was blistering hot. You didn't miss much. Oh my God. Every time I walked outside, I was like, what the You fuck immediately is this? just sweat right when the door <laughs> I, It literally, as soon as I walked out, I was like, uh, I got to go back in. Walked out my long sleeve and sweatpants, and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Because I keep the apartment at a, a brisk 68 degrees on the 68, AC. ladies and gentlemen. Let us know what you guys keep your houses at because Noah is low. Yeah, what did you keep yours at when you lived here? Well, I hovered between 68 and 70. It varied. Okay. So, you know, it depended. Yeah, some nights it does feel colder, but I just bundle up with a blanket or oh, something. Oh, yeah, I mean. I'm like, fuck raising that shit up. Well, and I'm like, I'm even no matter how cold it is, like I'm down here, I'm downstairs in a basement now where a studio and stuff mm-hmm. is. Buddy, woo! it might be 95 degrees outside. It's about 30 down here. I, <laughs> I go to bed with six blankets on, three pillows. Woo, man. Yeah, and um, the reason I'm like this is because my mom keeps her house at 75 degrees. That, well, can you you're believe gonna it? People roasting your mom in the comments section. Good, <laughs> that's what she has. She deserves it because <laughs> I've been telling her for years that this is ridiculous. And you know, when I lived in Carlisle, when she had the house in Carlisle, yeah, you know, it was it was okay because yeah. I had a ceiling fan in my room, so I would just crank that shit all crank day. It. Yeah, but now. She 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 said ceiling fans are passe, so there's no ceiling fans in this house anymore. Oh, so no. I just and like I don't know what it is about the blankets and pillows she's got in these rooms that I stay in, <laughs> but they just the heat just sucks into them. Sucks in. Yeah, it's like you're going to sleep with a heated blanket on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just get I go there at night. I'm like, and here we go. And it yeah. feels like I'm walking out of my apartment here, just immediate sweat. I'm like, oh well, man, yeah, it's it's rough, but. Let me know in the comments how ridiculous my mom is. For keeping if you're on YouTube, and even if you're listening on audio, come over to YouTube, leave some L's in the chat <laughs> for Noah's mom. <laughs> but uh, she'll, she'll respect it, you know. Much love. Yeah, but enough disrespect for my mother. Uh, we'll get into some fight talk now. <laughs> oh boy! Not too much for the news, but we got to get into the rest. <laughs> the rest. No fight announcement. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're gonna start with the PFL. They had an event on Thursday. Where Clarissa Shields, the boxing world class boxer, women's champion boxer, yeah. one of the best women's boxers of all time, all the made her MMA debut against Brittany Elkin, who is surprisingly a familiar face. She's also someone who I believe welcomed Kayla uh, Harrison yeah. to PFL. Uh, Clarissa Shields does get the TKO, but not before some adversity. Yeah. Minute 44 seconds into round number three. Dominic, I know you watched it pretty much. Uh, you watched it before I did, so I'm curious kind of what your thoughts were here of her performance and what do you think <clears throat> moving forward for her? Okay, so first things first, it's awesome to see her win. It, it's an incredible feat. You have to show respect to the boxers that come over to the MMA world because nowadays – we're just seeing some wacky shit that I'm not even going to get into, but you know what I'm talking about. 
So respect to Claressa for coming over. As Noah mentioned, faces early adversity. We all knew she's a world-class boxer. So for Brittany Elkin, you should probably grapple. And the grapple she did for the first two rounds, won both rounds pretty convincingly. To <coughs> Shields' credit, weathered a storm. She remained calm in some very sticky situations. For an MMA beginner, that's impressive too. And then round three comes out. She stuffs a takedown. Uh, so already some improvements from earlier in the fight. And then goes straight into the ground and pound TKOs. She ended the fight with like 90 strikes landed, and they said accuracy was 94%. So on the feet, it was all shield. She landed some good shots. Again, obviously there's glaring holes, but for someone that just made their debut in the PFL, their first ever pro MMA fight, my hat's off to her, man. I think she'll be on to some bigger things. Obviously the promotional aspects for the PFL behind her is huge. You couldn't go anywhere last week without hearing her name, which is good. And I'm excited to see her keep improving. There's going to be years and years of this that she's going to have to do. But you never know down the line. Maybe we could be on to something. But congratulations to Shields, man. Yeah, it was not uh, not a great start for her. Yeah. You know, the it just shows that you can't completely learn the ground game in about six months. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, the fact that she did this under less than a year is crazy. Um a lot of people were questioning her opponent's real credentials here. She is a brown belt uh, in jiu-jitsu, but didn't really show towards yeah. the end of the fight. Um, and who knows, maybe a lot of that's just because you do have a world-class boxer throwing some hands at you, so maybe it just kind of puts some cobwebs right. um, in your abilities. But, you know, it's a good win for her, obviously making a debut against a um, – I wouldn't call Brittany Elkin a high-level opponent, but – one that I thought, I thought it was a fair first fight yeah. for someone like Clarissa Shields. No matter how good her boxing is, she's a complete novice yeah. elsewhere. She's a white belt, you know, so you're going that's gonna be a tough match for her. And it showed early on. But for her to come back, show that kind of heart, that grit that she really wanted it. Yeah. I'm happy to see that. Just shows though. We need her fighting more this level opponents for a while. Yes. Um, don't get too crazy and start matching her up with someone like Kayla Harrison or anybody that, like that. Just that should never even cross their mind. Yeah, yeah. Just shouldn't. Let's just slow down and let's have her work her way up yep. to keep improving on the ground game. I mean, her boxing's already spectacular. The hand speed yeah. is so fast. Um, good win. Yeah. Also happening on Friday was uh, Bellator's card, and we just had a couple of big fights to talk about on there. First, right. Aaron Pico, probably one of the biggest prospects that crossed MMA, definitely the biggest inside Bellator's uh, organization. He got a big win submitting Aiden Lee via Anaconda Choke in minute 33 seconds around number three. Yeah, Aaron Pico, a guy you who – love this guy. I do, but I've also recognized that this guy's um, run has not been flawless in MMA. Mm -hmm. He's actually faltered quite often. He's, um, I believe, his record's eight and three now. Um, he he got pretty much he, he got caught a couple times early on in his career. Um, he's a world class wrestler. Everybody knows that he's one of the best. Like that, that coming in, that was his bread and butter. The wheelhouse. But he loves the hands. He loves the throw on the feet. You know, it's not an uncommon story. Guys like Justin Gaethje have yeah. done that. But 
he hasn't his chin hasn't been able to hold up to the punishment that a guy like Justin Gaethje has been able to take. So he's gotten caught with some shots early in his career, been put away, even hurt guys, and then they landed a luck, kind of a lucky haymaker and put him out. This was the performance I've been waiting for from Aaron Pico. This is the the most complete performance. He I think puts it all together. Yep. You know, this is a complete one sided performance for Pico, and it's the kind of win he needs to really progress forward. You know, now maybe we're going to be starting to look here soon at some ranked opponents for right. him. And good for him on that. I'm big win for him. Happy for him. Happy to see a guy who has so much potential and so many people believe in him to be kind of check, cashing those checks yes. now. Starting to crack into what that potential could be. It's exciting, man. Mm-hmm. Also, in the main event, we have a new champion. Yeah. Douglas Lima falls in his second straight fight. He tried to become champ champ, lost that. Now here he is losing his welterweight title to Yaroslav Amasov, who takes his professional MMA record to 26-0. Habib, you, you wake. <laughs> no, but 26-0, uh, be a unanimous decision. Be honest, fight wasn't the most exciting one. Amasov just doing what he had to do to win. It was pretty one-sided, though. Yeah. Um, once again for Lima – the you know when when he's not the bigger guy in the octagon it's just he kind of gets bullied a little bit that's what yeah. happened with Gegard and then here with Amasavi just didn't really have anything for him here didn't look like he was very confident uh, maybe some of that is left over from his previous fight I don't know but True. for a guy as seasoned as he is you would like to think that he could shake off the loss it's not his first time losing right <laughs> but um Amasov looked really good a, a lot beast. of people weren't a lot of people weren't too impressed just because, again, did he do all that much? No, but to control a guy like Lima for five rounds, that's enough to show me this guy's for real. Exactly. He's probably going to be here for, to stay for quite a while. Yeah, I don't care who you're fighting. If your record's 26-0 and 0, and now you got gold round or, or <clears throat> wrapped around your waist, that's impressive, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of The News. The News. Dominic, take it away with our fights that we previewed from Friday's episode. We're going to re- – well, actually, you know, I always get ahead. We did this we gotta, last week. Too. Yeah, we got to start with our prelim notables. Ta-da. And I'm jumping first. You do it. Do it. Because take uh, I'm so happy for my man Terrence McKinney. Wow. Seven-second knockout in his UFC debut. If you guys don't know this guy's story, please look him up. Do your research. Um, I happened to come across this story on a Reddit thread <laughs> trying to find some content for Wednesday's episode, yeah, right. <laughs> and I came across this story. Um, this is a guy that had been a former drug addict. Uh, there's actually video on YouTube you can find where he's being uh, detained by the police, and he's in like a drug-induced episode. So they tase him, and the taser does has no effect on him because he's so – his brain out is just it, so yeah. out of it from these drugs. Um, this is, I guess, what he needed to clean himself up. Um, he eventually went back to the police department that arrested him, thanked all the cops for um, not killing him basically that night. Yeah. Um, and then he got, obviously, started training MMA, um, has made a huge splash, obviously, for being a guy that hasn't been training that long. Makes his debut here on three days' notice. <laughs> Against a very tough opponent. Yeah, Matt knocks him out in seven seconds. Now, I do feel bad for Matt Frivola. Guy, all of his opponents seem to fall out. 
I believe like his last five opponents have all fallen out. Now, you know, he was on the Connor Dustin card. He got an opponent there, got a big win there. But here, you know, he gets replaced. His opponent, I forget who he was originally scheduled to fight, but gets replaced with Terrence McKinney. McKinney makes the most of it, man. Seven seconds. Crazy. Now, Can you have a better debut? <laughs> well, the only way you could is if you don't hurt yourself in the celebration. <laughs> this is true. So, poor guy. Uh Possibly blows out his knee during the celebration. I sure hope not. I hope not. Uh, I mean, come on, man. I hope this isn't a Johnny Walker situation. Right. But um, it didn't look great the way he landed. Uh, he didn't do anything crazy. You know, a lot of people were – because I, I watched the fight, but then I just kind of turned it off. Like I was watching on my phone. Um, context not really important. This, <laughs> right. but I was watching on my phone, and as soon as he knocked him out, I was like, holy shit. Turn the phone off. (laughs) Save battery life. And then I started reading on Twitter that this dude, I was like, he blew out his knee. And I'm like, what? And the way it made it sound was this was like Michael Chandler jumping, doing a backflip off the cage. I was like, oh, my God, did this man do a backflip and, like, blow his knee out? And then you watch it, and it's like, no. He just popped down on it the wrong way. Yeah, he just, yeah. And it was unfortunate, but hopefully he'll be okay. Yeah. what a debut and against a guy who was on knocking on the door for a top 15 opponent and Provola. Hey, McKinney might be a, a real player here in this division here soon. Yeah, Happy man. For him. Awesome for Terrence McKinney. My prelim notable just so happens to be a fighter that we're going to actually break down because if you don't know, we previewed nine fights on Friday, which means we have to recap all nine of those fights. So I'm not going to go into this too much, but I might just say who it is and then wait till we get into the fight. How's that sound? Okay. Prelim notable, Brad Rydell. Okay. <laughs> On to our recap of the UFC 263 fights. We're starting with the first fight uh, on those prelims. And it starts with two top 15 ranked featherweights. Number 14, Movzar. Eve Loev uh, gets the unanimous decision victory over number 15, Hakeem Dawadu. As impressive as ever, Mosvar now um, extends his UFC record to 5-0. He's 15-0, perfect professional MMA record. Right from the get-go, established his dominance in terms of the grappling realm. He was all over Hakeem. To Hakeem's credit, he held his own for a little while, but after so long, that pressure just ended up cracking him for all three rounds. Grapple heavy for Evil Vev. He looked amazing, incredible was constantly looking for ground and pound and for the finish. So to Hakeem's credit, he didn't get finished. But, man, what a dominant performance there by uh, Movzar. Biggest win of his UFC career, too. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a pretty one-sided showing mm. for Movzar. You know, shout-out to Hakeem. He was never really out of the fight. But the, it, this really showed how far along Movzar is. His previous Rebels. fight – I believe was against Nick Lentz, I want to say. Or, yeah, split uh, decision. Yeah, and in that fight, I was disappointed because like, I thought Movzar was farther along. Right. No disrespect to Nick Lentz, but you would like to see Movzar put on kind of a showcase against a guy like Nick Lentz, at, at least where I'm projecting Evloev to go. Right. This is more what I was talking about. I mean, this was a showcase. He looked the grappling. He looked like he was such a so strong in it and – um, had such a good grasp on what he was doing. So at all comfortable times. in all situations. So comfortable. No matter if the fight was on the feet, on the ground, he just he just looked like the better fighter. And you know, Hakeem 
not saying this guy can't eventually become a contender himself. I'm sure he can. But I had a feeling the winner of this fight is going to be a contender within the next year or yeah, so. Yeah. And for Mozart to come in here and win in such a convincing fashion. He looked like a contender. It just shows me that this guy's going to be he's a lot like he, you know, he's in the same ballpark as an Islam Makachev, yep. you know, where their ranking doesn't necessarily um, show how good they really are. And also, it also shows Mozart might have a tough time finding some opponents moving I would, forward. I was just about to say, no one's going to want to fight this kid, man. So I no guess one. that'll transition us into who's next for him. Yeah. Um, you know, I got one that sounds fun, but. I think, I think uh, I'm going to go with uh, number 11, Sadiq Yusuf. It feels like we're matching poor Sadiq up with all of these featherweight killers right now. I know, now. I, I know, I know. I've definitely said his name before, but they're all um, great matchups. Like you can't go wrong. Yeah, you just can't here, and um, this is going to be Sadiq, a, a great striker, yeah, a guy who I think could match Movzar's technique on the feet. But if Movzar is able to get that fight to the ground, that's where you know he's going to really shine. And uh, but Hakeem's not an easy guy to take down, so I think that could really test him and. Yep. Because he did just beat the number fifteen guy, I think beating number eleven is a proper next step. Yeah. Not necessarily, um, you know, a lot of these top ten of this division, they're all a lot of them are coming off of wins right now. That's what, and they're looking to fight up. They're yeah, not going to so, want to go back. You know, as much as I'd like to see him go up against a guy like Giga Chikadze or Edson Barboza, those guys are looking ahead right now. Yeah, um, not saying one of those guys might end up getting kind of stuck with <laughs> a killer like Movzar, but right. for now, I think if you get a fight with someone like. Um, why did I just like Sadiq? Yeah, like Sadiq, then that's good enough for him. Yeah, I think that's an awesome matchup, a good test for both guys in their quote unquote weaker areas, the grappler and Evil Evev and the striker uh in Sadiq. If I gotta give an option on my end here, number twelve, Bryce Mitchell, man. I mean, Mr. Camo Shorts, I'm ready to see him back in the octagon. The other stud grappler in that back end of this division, it would be a very interesting stylistic clash there both guys mm-hmm. probably pretty even on the feet obviously they're still steadily improving but in the grappling department you're not going to find two better guys in this division match them up let them go to town we'll get us a little grappling slash uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu match those type of matchups can be just as fun as strikers uh sometimes so that's what i would do if not for a guy like sadiq yusuf that's an interesting uh way of wording that about the how they would look on the feet because I feel like Mozart is a lot further along in his striking than Bryce Mitchell. I feel like but after what we saw, he'd be more competent. Well, that's what I was going to say, was that after Mitchell's last performance against Feely, I feel like he he did show a lot of improvement. Yeah. Um, so I'd be curious to see how that goes. And then on the ground, even oh. though Mozart is much more of the kind of brute, the brute grappler, I guess, yeah. a little bit more strength, you got the finesse of someone like Bryce Mitchell, the submission capabilities oh, that he man. has could be really fun. Yeah, all kinds of transitions and stuff. That would be a great matchup. And then for I guess for Hakeem, I, mm-hmm. I would just say he's probably going to fight someone maybe on the on their way up through the top 15. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't probably match him up against anybody else in the ranks right now. Maybe in a guy like Gavin Tucker. That would be kind of fun maybe. Yeah. I don't know, just one of those guys right on the cuffs that have kind of been close yeah. but are coming off losses. I still think Hakeem has a lot of upside here. He was coming into this on a five-fight win streak as well. So keep your head up for Hakeem and for Mozart. What a performance. Maybe Cub Swanson. You could even do that, but 
<laughs> I wanted to be careful with your boy Killer Cub. I, I kind of got with you at that last time I brought him up. That's yeah, I know that's <laughs> true. Uh, so on to the next one, the quote unquote number one contender fight. Do with that what you will. I don't know, but Lauren Murphy gets the job done, makes it five straight victories. Noah number three defeats number six Jojo Calderwood. This is one that I missed happen live due to the wedding I was at, so I had to come back. I actually watched it today, all three rounds, and man a lot closer of a fight than what I thought from like reading the tweets and everything that round one back and forth. That's the round. That's the round that can go either way. Round mm-hmm. two, Lauren Murphy dominates on the ground, grappling in the clinch. Everything was all Lauren Murphy. Some could even argue it was a 10, eight. I didn't quite go that far, but it was close. And then round three, shout out to Jojo Calderwood. Cause she came on strong and looked amazing in round three, Lauren Murphy, Clearly tired out from the grappling in round two. JoJo pieced her up in the clinch with her Muay Thai striking. So it was clearly round two for Lauren, round three for JoJo. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what I would score round one, but it was a razor-thin fight. She gets it done via split decision. Again, though, a five in a row. I know it's not the most convincing performance, but Valentina next? I mean, what do you think? Uh, Here's the story. Neither of these women are ready for Valentina well, Shevchenko. No one is. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just saying. I mean, yeah. you know, we look at someone like Jessica Andrade when she beat Caitlin Chukagian. We didn't you necessarily like, give her, we didn't give her the best of chances against Valentina, but we at least were like, okay, maybe. And now I know she's a former champion of another division. That doesn't hurt. Um, but even someone like uh, the female Habib, um, oh, we would at least young. probably give her some sort of a chance in that in that matchup because Tatiana just she mauls people she's yeah. she's so one-sided in her victories and I'll be interested to see how she looks if when she debuts at 125 and see how yeah. that compares to when she fought at 115 but the my point is clear that both these women while I'm fans of both of them I think they you know they're very fun um good fighters you know they just neither one of them really pulled away in this one enough to tell me that they are ready for a title shot. Mm-hmm. And then even in their previous wins, you know, Lauren Murphy had a great performance on that Habib Gaethje card. And that's where she kind of had that fiery post fight yeah. speech. And um, this week was had a much different tone, more, um, you know, humble, I guess, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that, I, not that she wasn't humble before. More reserved. Yeah a little more understanding of her situation and that she might not be guaranteed a title shot. And I, and I would, if I'm her, I'm, I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket because I'm not hundred percent sure that that's what the UFC are going to do. Right. I don't know what the alternative is. That's the problem. <laughs> Valentina yeah. wants to stay active. And unfortunately for her, she kind of lost out on a potential uh, big champ champ fight. Cause Whaley Zhang has now fall into Rose. Right. And Rose and her, I don't think, have any interest in fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, yeah, I, I would match up Lauren Murphy with Valentina next, but the bigger story coming out of this fight for me was that neither woman really showed that never... That they'll pose a threat. Yeah, I mean, even with Jennifer Maya, she got a really nice submission whenever Joanne Calderwood yeah. made it look pretty easy. Whether it was a fluke or not is besides the point. It's just that she she made it convincing. Well, and look, here, you look at what she did against Valentina, stole around too. So yeah, and here in this fight, I mean, both women had their moments. They both showed a lot of toughness, a lot of heart, and 
I, I respect both of them, but not going to make me think they have any sort of shot against the champ. Valentina is just that good, man. She's the elite of the elite. Yes, I agree. Lauren Murphy, five in a row, <laughs> probably should and will be next. How will the fight play out? I don't know, man. It's just Valentina is so damn good. What do you think uh, about a potential matchup for JoJo on the other side? Um, not that this makes a ton of sense because she's coming off a loss to number three, but I'm going to go with number two, Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, I think both those women could fight relatively soon, give it a couple months for Joanne and even Chukagian because she fought last month to heal up. Chukagian, the, the rest of the top of this division is pretty booked right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Chukagian should not and will not get another title shot for the time being. Yeah. So number six, Joanne Carterwood is the closest one for her uh, ranking-wise. And I think and a it's, fresh still a matchup. it's still a competitive fight. Yeah, that's not a bad matchup at all. I like that one. Um, again, we like to give two, one each. I kind of am going to go a little bit of a different route. Uh, Alexa Grasso, still mm-hmm. waiting on an opponent, unless I've missed the fight announcement. She came off that super impressive victory over Macy Barber back in February. Uh, I just had it on my screen, sorry. She's ranked number 10 now. So her and Joanne would be an interesting fight because Alex is also a very good boxer, a very good stand-up fighter. JoJo good in the stand-up, but more so the long Muay Thai striking range. Mm-hmm. Could be an interesting stylistic, you know, back and forth there. A chance for Alexa to crack into close to the top five for JoJo to bounce back. Again, we like giving one option apiece, so I figure why not. Fun. On to the first rematch on the card. We had Eric Anders this time. We have a decisive victory. He gets the unanimous decision. Or was yeah. this a split? I can't remember. I but, think it was it was unanimous, yeah. but let's be honest here, Dom. Um, it was it was a a more clear like okay, you, you we firmly have a winner here. Yeah. But, for, but yet I somehow walk away feeling like Eric Anders had more of a victory in the first in the fight first than one. he did here. This is just a slog. It was a snore of a fight. I mean, neither guy really comes out looking great. Yeah. From this one. Anders in the first fight was at least, I mean, looked like kind of a killer in that one. I mean, just hurt. Stewart nearly finished feet, him. Nearly finished him. And that was a guy, he was going up against a guy who was arguably a more technical striker, had yeah. more of the striking pedigree than him. Here, again, Anders clearly won the fight, but just not a great watch. Yeah. I mean, nothing too big in terms of takeaways. Eric really just pressured Stewart up against the fence, held him there, got some takedowns. At one point in the third round was the closest to a finish, but really just didn't look like he had enough gas left in the tank to continue the volume of strikes to Mm -hmm. get the TKO. But, you know, at least we got a victory out of it this time around. Eric Anders does get the win over Darren Stewart. Inevitably, what's next? More than likely another unranked guy. Eric Anders is a guy that will – fight anyone, anywhere. He's very active since he's been in the UFC. At times, he can be in fights like this. At times, he can be in firefights that are really fun and exciting. Maybe it just depends on the stylistic matchup for him. So, you know, we'll see what's next for both of these guys. It's another misstep for Darren Stewart. This is a guy who has a below 500 record in the UFC, but yet he he looks so good sometimes. Yeah. And then he just has these kind of fights where – don't get me wrong, Eric Ander is a tough opponent. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying Stewart losing to him is uh, the bad thing. It's just that losing in the way he did here, where it was just kind of a pedestrian performance for him and didn't really show me anything that I've seen from him previously that kind of made me think that this guy, you know, 
could potentially win. Like I remember when Kevin Holland beat him, I thought maybe St- uh, Stewart could win a rematch. Yeah, yeah. And now you look at how good Holland's turned out to be. That like Stewart can be that good. His but his he's shown to be that good, a top fifteen level guy. But then too inconsistent. And that's just uh, yeah, that's another a good word another it. chapter in that story right now. So. Hopefully he works it out because right now I think his record in the UFC is something like uh, four He's and now six. He's f- five and six with two no contests. Five and so six. Is that real? Yeah. I thought he was uh, I thought he was under 500 before this fight. Well, I had him as under 500, but the one loss that he had outside of the UFC last year actually came in Cage Warriors. Mm, so, gotcha. but okay, yeah, now. So yeah, he's really, you know, now he's under 500. Um, that's just never a spot you want to be in, especially when you've had 11 fights in the yeah. promotion. So we'll see what comes next. Now, <laughs> here's my prelim notable, baby. <laughs> Brad Rydell picks up the decision victory over number 14, Drew Dober. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why he's my prelim notable, because this man nearly gets finished in round number one, gets destroyed by Drew Ooh. Dober early on in the fight. We're talking a stud kickboxer here in Rydell. Drew Dober looked good, and to, for him to not only fight through that adversity, but then come back in rounds two and three and just sling leather, trading shots back and forth. These two go down to get the official fight of the night, the 50K bonus. Kudos to both men, but Brad Rydell showing the heart of a lion. Now 4-0 in the UFC, 10-1 and overall. He's going to crack into the top 15 come Tuesday morning. What a performance by Brad Rydell and from Drew Dober. We were treated to a fight right here, my friend. Yeah, as, as a member of the Drew Dober fan club, <laughs> this is a sad one. But, uh, I mean, both these guys put it all out there. Uh, this was the striking clinic that we thought it would be. Dober's power shots versus Rydell's more technical kickboxing style. Um a surprising amount of grappling here, I think, yeah. for some people. I spoke a little bit about Rydell's grappling in the preview, and um, I think that kind of showed here. Not that um, neither one of these guys are known as a grappler, but you know, both of them having their moments. Dober, Dober showing them nice takedowns in yeah. there, and you know, Dober kind of has the frame of someone who should be like a good wrestler. Like he has yeah. like a wrestler's body, but he's just never really fought like that. And here he showed some nice takedowns. Rydell showing some nice moments. Um, it was obvious that Dober's shots were hurting Rydell more than Rydell's shots were hurting Dober. He had the more power. But Rydell started to – he was landing at a much more efficient rate. Yep. So, therefore, his cardio was holding up a little better. And I think towards – as the longer the fight went, he was just landing more accurately. Oh, he was fine in the chin. And – um that was starting to weigh on Dober, but Dober's chin is just like granite, man. Dude's look, he looks like the crimson chin from Fairly Odd Parents. And, <laughs> wow. and, and he takes a punch like that dude probably does too. I mean, uh, what a fight. What a what fight. What a freaking fight. Neither guy comes out looking bad here. It's tough for Dober because it's now back to back losses for him after so recently being put in the top 15. I know yeah. he wanted a big win here, but. What do you think's next for these two guys? Because um, well, they're the top division to really move up in right now. I really like an obvious choice for Brad Rydell. I'm going uh, – shoot, I just forgot the number again. I just looked. Number 12, Diego Fajera, man. He's coming off of uh, two straight losses, Diego is. But 
a very good Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist, black belt, could really give Brad a test in the grappling department more than what Drew did. Um, and then in the striking, he's not afraid to get into some firefights. I mean, that fight he had with Benil Dariush was a fight of the night in itself. So that could be a fun stylistic clash there for Rydell. He's probably going to get number 15 or number 14. Uh, and then with him being number 12, a chance to fight up a seasoned veteran with Rydell still being so new to the UFC. I think that would be a, an interesting test for both guys. Uh, again, both on opposite spectrums of their career path as well. Yeah, so Drew Dober is actually number 13 right now. Okay. So Rydell getting a win here puts him right behind Diego Fajera, and I think that is a good matchup for him next. Just because a lot of those guys ahead of him, again, it's all about timing right now, and there's just yeah. not a lot of um, good matchups that make sense. But I, I'll throw out a Gregor Gillespie. Um, just if Gregor wants to stay active and can't get the right matchup ahead of him, right. then a matchup with Brad Rydell makes sense. Um, I think that would be a great test for both guys in different areas. You, we saw Gregor in his last fight, the kind of pace he can put on in the grappling. Um, for Rydell, he can't bring that pressure into striking. Who's going to kind of win out there? That would just be really interesting. For a guy like Rydell who likes to keep the distance, mm-hmm. I think it could be really tough for him going up against someone who's just so – just such a mauler. Like, yeah, uh, a good way to put it. For Dober, I'm going with number 15, Armand Saryukin. The most just cracked in randomly, too. Most recent addition to the top 15. There's been a lot of movement in this back half because guys have been kind of in activity and retirement. Yeah. Um, Ally Quinta recently has been dropped from the top 15, so that's why Armand Saryukin's put in here. I think Dober deserves another crack at the top 15. That's the one guy behind him that's not matched up right now. Right. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And – Saryukin um, needs a test to really show that he's ready for it. He kind of, as you mentioned, just kind of got placed in the top 15 by uh-huh. um, guys ahead of him being inactive. He didn't really – I don't want to say he didn't earn it because the guys – He didn't really beat a red fighter to get yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. So that just would be a, like a gatekeeper type role for Dober in that fight and could be really fun. Yeah, I'm actually just going to agree with you there because if it's not – uh, the number 15 guy in Armin, probably going to get an unranked guy. So mm-hmm. one of the two options there for Drew Dober, a guy that's always going to be in fun fights regardless. I look forward to him being in many more exciting fights. And for Rydell, again, the city kickboxing team picks up two huge victories. We'll touch on the second one later, but shout out to Brad Rydell. Fight of the night, my prelim notable. It, it was worth the anticipation, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, for the entire card, this was fight of the night. For oh, sure. yeah, 100%. The official and the Joes, but then we got to give our main card one. You guys know how it goes. Yeah. Anyway, it's time to get into the main card. <laughs> and, uh, wow. I mean, I knew this fight was going to be really cool and interesting, no matter which way it went. And mm-hmm. it didn't last very long because Paul Craig picks up the TKO finish over number 15 ranked Jamal Hill, undefeated Jamal Hill, after essentially – snapping Jamal Hill's arm completely in half. It was just literally, literally, people, if you didn't see it, flapping around like one of those noodles you see at the car lots when it's really windy outside. That's what his arm was looking like last night. Great way of putting it. And uh, Um, What the fuck was this fight? Uh, This fight lasted like two minutes. Um, Shout out to the Arizona Steve Mazzagatti. (laughs) Meeves Meeves Stazagatti decided to come out 
He just had a mustache on. It was Steve Mazzagatti with a mustache. Oh, no, and, no. Uh, <laughs> and um, Paul Craig, Wow. For, for 205 pounds, you hardly ever see guys that will willingly pull guard. And yeah. Paul Craig does it all the time. Pulled him right down. Yep. And Jamal Hill, whether I think a lot of it's just due to the inexperience, just didn't seem, you know, a lot of those questions we had about how he would look when he got to the ground. Right. It's pretty clear that he just wasn't, he just didn't really know what he was doing when he got there. Because Paul Craig immediately tied up his arm with like an underhook and then nearly was like trying to give, do like some sort of like arm crank or arm bar with Yeah, like his, an Americana kind of. Yeah, which like you don't see very much. On his back, you know. Yeah. It's just a very weird spot for it. Jamal Hill's able to fight out of it. But then that's where uh, the arm bar comes in. He kind of puts his arm right back in the spot. Mm-hmm. Arm bar comes in. And, yes, you, technically you're right. That's what we watched, right? We watched the man get his arm snapped in half. But did we? Because <laughs> no, <laughs> apparently, I mean, apparently it was just dislocated. They put it back in place, and now he's fine. Full mobility. Uh, I don't know how. No, I don't I know saw, how. Okay, see this? I'm yeah. bending my arm right now. Right. Imagine right. if it was bending the other direction. Correct. That's not that supposed is what, to happen. That is what Jamal Hill's arm did. And if that wasn't bad enough, the arm gets snapped. Paul Craig tells the ref, hey, his, his arm arm's broken. Yeah. yeah. The ref just kind of, again, me, me, Stazigati, <laughs> steps in and kind of looks at it. And it's just like, well, I don't know. I mean, have but you then- ever reeled in a fish while you're fishing? And you bring it on the boat and it's just flapping around all over the <laughs> damn boat trying to get some freaking water in its gills? <laughs> His arm was just like a wet noodle. How many yeah. metaphors am I going to use to so explain what this Paul is? Craig trans he transitions into beating the, uh, the shit out a headed arm triangle and just starts <laughs> throwing elbows and hammer fists. Oh man! And poor Jamal Hill's arm is literally a fish out of water. Like oh man. Um, it's just this wow. fight was fucking nuts. And Absolutely nuts. Shout out to Paul Craig. A big win for him here um, against a killer of a prospect. And Jamal oh, yeah. Hill will be Again, was undefeated, man. Dude will be back. He'll be better. He's just got a more seasoning. Paul Craig is just so – such a veteran at this point. I Dude, mean. I mean, how many submission specialists do you see like this at 205 pounds? Yeah. This dude's a special talent, man. It makes him very dangerous as he keeps moving forward here mm. in the division. A real you dark know, horse. He he recognizes what makes him so dangerous is too too often, um, you know we we talk about like having a complete skill set and yeah all these things and I think that gets a lot of fighters' heads I think think like that too where it's like I need to have this complete skill set not that it's you don't want to be pedestrian at any aspect of MMA but for Paul Craig he recognizes where he is most gifted at oh yeah he recognizes striking even though his striking might be okay. It's not going to be what wins him the majority of his fights. So he'll pull guard. He'll bring you into his guard and submit you. And I think that's just so – his fight IQ, I think, speaks highly there when – And he it's rare. Recognizes, he recognizes where his, he is best and most likely to win a fight. And he knows he's better than everyone yeah. else too. Like the confidence of him, everything about him, the Scotsman, the way he carries himself so intense and just – like a real raw guy that's just going to yeah. tell you how it is and backs it up on the octagon. That's four straight wins for him now. No, I think he cracks top ten next with his next opponent. I'm going to be honest with you. So I, I just so I disagree only because matchmaking wise here. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve top ten. 
But I went with number 12, Misha Serkinov. I love that. Um, I, I think it'd be a great test of guys that are both very gifted on the ground, very gifted submission specialist. Um, neither guy's probably going to knock out the other one. I mean, Craig does have some weird kind of power in his hands, but I, I, I see that fight being fought mostly on the ground. Yep. Or it'll cancel each other out, and they'll somehow both fight on the feet for three rounds, and then it'll be a barn burner. could but be chaotic. Either yeah. way, I think it's just – Craig gets a win over top. He gets a win over Jamal Hill, who's number 15. One more, and then we'll start talking top 10. Now, I don't know what your man Vulcan Uzdemir's up to right now. It's been a minute since we've seen him fight. Number eight ranked Vulcan, the heavy hitter. No time is what they like to call him. I think that'd be a great test here for Paul Craig to test the waters of the top 10. A guy that's going to come out and try and take your head off. Craig's going to have to evade, be strategic. Uh, if he can work that fight to the ground, we could see another miraculous submission or broken arm or elbow. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. If he's on the feet with Vulcan, we've seen he can just put people's lights out in a matter of seconds. Could be a real good test for both guys. I'm just ready to see Vulcan mm-hmm. back in there. That's kind of mm-hmm. why I went with this matchup as well. Yeah, coming off a knockout loss to Yuri Prohaska. Yeah, been a while since we've seen the guy. UFC 251, so we're uh, at a year at this point. So I'd like to see him get back in there ASAP. And for Jamal, keep your head up. Get healed first (laughs) and foremost. And then likely, I know, you know, an unranked guy probably next, which is fine. Still 30 years old, his first ever pro loss. He still has a pretty high ceiling, I I believe, in Jamal Hill. I agree. So, on to 170 pounds, Noah, two top 15 fellas. Number 12, Bilal Muhammad, gets the biggest win of his career, gets the decision win over number nine ranked Damian Maya. Not the most exciting of fights. Damian does what Damian does, was looking for the takedown all three rounds. To Bilal's credit, I think he stuffed like 16 of 17 or something. It was a pretty convincing number. But Bilal just didn't capitalize on many of his openings. He kind of just pieced up Damian where he could. Never really looked for any big shots or any huge finishes. He was very weary of the takedown, so to his credit, I don't blame you. I mean, Maya is pretty dangerous on the ground, obviously. But, you know, good for Bilal to at least crack back into the win column after that no contest. For Damian, more than likely his last fight. Noah, what would you think about this one? Yeah, this is, this fight sucked. <laughs> It was, you know, that was kind of my worry when this fight got announced was that it might, the way the styles played out could be lackluster, you know? Yeah. I mean, neither guy is known for necessarily uh, bringing the house down. I mean, Damian Maya, uh, such one of the best jujitsu practitioners in UFC history. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, especially active wise, he's probably one of the best. However, um, you know, credit to, Bilal Muhammad for stuffing those takedowns, but this was this was just not this wasn't even the same Damian Maya we saw a year ago. Yeah, you know, I know he got finished by Gilbert Burns in that fight a year ago, but he he looked a lot more competitive against the guy who ended up fighting for a title. So um, here, this is this is a guy who Damian Maya should still be competitive with, even at forty three years old, and he just man, I mean. You know, I love the funniest picture I saw was that meme of the Dion Waiters meme. Oh yeah, it's like I'd rather go zero for thirty than zero for nine. Yeah, if you went for if you go zero for nine, that means you stop trying. Stop trying. 
and I saw that it was like this is Damian Maya. You gotta love I the mindset. Like, I just you know, and he really did go for the same. He went for the single leg. Blau just kind of was content to let him grab it. And yeah. Just this fight sucked. Neither guy really comes out looking great here. This should be the end for Damian Maya's. It was uh, his last amazing, fight. His, his amazing UFC career. Uh, one of the best to never win a belt. Um, yeah. Had two different title fights against Anderson Silvan and Tyron Woodley, just showing how long he lasted on the top. You know, even when he would have these short little losing streaks, he always came back in a big way. Yeah. When I first started watching back in 2016, that was when he had his re-rise to the top. Yep. Uh, he looked incredible during that time. Um, but for Bilal Muhammad, I mean, this has got to be a tough one to swallow because even though you win, and yeah, it's probably your biggest win. You just can't do much with it. Just there's just not a lot to take away here, not a lot positively. You know, it, Bilal defensively, it was a near pretty much near perfect yeah. performance. Didn't really get hit, defended most of the time. Like many of Damian Maya's opponents, you focus so much on defense and you just don't can't let your hands enough. go. Yeah, yeah, you don't show enough. So that's why for Bilal, I'm going to go with number eleven, Li Jingliang as his Ooh. next opponent, Ooh. the guy who will bring the fight to him. Um, you know, I, I think I'm a little bit critical of Bilal Muhammad, but I'm going to stand by that here. I, I want someone to bring the fight to Bilal. I'm tired yeah. of him kind of squeaking by in these decisions over guys that he should be trying to put a finish on with and really trying to at least just, like, bring the fight more. Yeah. Um, he has too good of a Twitter account to be this kind of <laughs> – True. Podcaster and boring, everything. Almost boring of a fighter at times. Yeah, he's such like a fan favorite. Like outside <laughs> of the octagon, it's so strange, really. Yeah. I mean, so, good for the guy. Yeah, JK, no disrespect to Bilal. But Lee Jingliang, I think, will bring the pressure, bring that oh, fight yeah. to him. And both guys are kind of talented everywhere. So I think uh, you'll have another one of those fights where that fight could go anywhere, could go many different ways. But it'll really test – everything for the for both of them and I, I i like that kind of fight well funny enough before the law fought leon on short notice he had originally called out lee jing liang for his next fight so mm-hmm. i think that would be a really fun fight again a guy that's going to bring it to him the leech he's called that for a reason he's going to pressure Bilal, bring the action set the pace uh if i got to give you know another option number eight neil magny a guy that's coming off of a loss uh it would be Another really seasoned veteran for Bilal to test himself against. A guy that's kind of good everywhere, you know, just like Bilal is. A good grappler, good in the clinch, pretty good on the striking. You know, it's just hard to match up Bilal here, but maybe Neil Magny. But I personally like your choice better. I think Lee Jing Liang, a guy that's going to really bring it and test him, sign me up for that. Yeah, I mean, Neil Magny coming off that win over Jeff Neal, like he could yeah. maybe try to look ahead, but – um I, I could see him also fighting back. Because even the win over Neil was just, meh. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's fought so many guys in the UFC that, like, you know, for him. It's, it's hard to even like find guys that he hasn't fought. So. Fresh matchups is kind of what's more important for someone exactly. like him at this point. Yeah. Pardon me. I said off a loss, by the way. Neil, no disrespect. I forgot. My apologies. <laughs> uh, and then for Damien, it was his last UFC contract or contracted fight. Probably the end of the road, even Dana said. Hats off to Damian Maya, legend. Second most wins in UFC history. Plenty of records up there. Right off into the sunset, my friend. Agreed. The other welterweight main card bout, the featured five-round bout. And, um, you know, 
Leon Edwards gets the job done, right? Gets the decision win. 49-46 times three. That's a, is that the story here? No, no, no. Here's the story. Poor Leon Edwards. The bad luck just continues for the guy because, listen, he dominated this fight for 24 minutes. But Nathan Diaz finds a way to land the right hand Stockton slap, followed up with a left cross that had Leon doing the chicken dance, Noah. And if Nate Diaz would have capitalized instead of pointing, he would have finished that fight. I'm sticking with that until the day I go to the grave. Mm-hmm. But lucky for Leon that Nate didn't capitalize because that would have just been so awful to see. But, man, Leon gets the win inevitably, but that one minute for Nate is going to overshadow the other 24 minutes of the fight. Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to act like the other 24 minutes were, like, all Edwards. I mean, it was, like, Edwards definitely won the first four rounds of this fight, and he won the majority of the minutes that this fight went on. And that was to be expected. To yes. be honest, I mean, you look at the odds, you look at what we were thinking, everybody kind of thought that would be the case. We really thought Leon was going to win the majority of this fight. So, therefore, for him to go in there and do that, it's like, okay, he's he's living up to our expectations. Yep. But then he nearly gets finished in the final minute of the fight. So, of course, that's going to be kind of the takeaway because it's like, really, even though Leon, again, 49-46 over Nate Diaz, dominated most of this fight, he somehow failed to live up to expectations again. <laughs> this, I, I, uh, the poor guy. I mean, but I, um, this was a big opportunity for him. And I will say, Nate Diaz fought a lot like how Nick Diaz used to fight against guys like Anderson Silva <laughs> and GSP. He yeah, really he was on another level last night. Just trying to throw Leon off any way he could, um, fighting very unorthodox, which is how the Diaz brothers kind of do things. For a guy like Leon, who's some of his biggest skill sets are that he doesn't make mistakes and that he doesn't really get thrown off his game. Yeah. And Diaz was trying to do both of those things. You kind of knew that that wasn't going to work out too well. Yeah. And it didn't for the majority of his fight. I mean, even in the grappling, Leon Edwards looked really good. Had he Diaz did, back. man. Some of those and, trips he was doing, yeah. man, those were impressive. Because we knew how good his hands were, but for yeah. him to show that much growth in his grappling, that was impressive. And then you get to the fifth round, and, I mean, it was the biggest moment of the fight. Let's be real. That I, that was one of the craziest one minutes I've ever witnessed. That I punch, was running you, around. The camera had a great angle on it. You just see Leon's eyes. He didn't know where he, he was. He was gone. He was gone. And Diaz just being a little too, like you said, a little too slow to, to pounce on him. That, and, you he could have finished. He, he did have some follow-ups. And, I mean, I guess to Leon's credit, he did kind of recover you know, more than I thought he would. I thought yeah. he was pretty much done. Yeah. Like for that last minute, but he did kind of hang in there, uh, but he ate some more shots and that was the end. You know, it's, it's he escaped by the, the skin of his teeth. You know? This was the biggest, this was the opportunity Leon Edwards wanted, you know, he yep. had a huge name, a huge star in the sport. And honestly, I, I think I can say this and I, even though he won four rounds here, he failed to capitalize on it, truly. I mean, at the end of the day, more people are going to talk about Nate in that one minute than everything else that happened in the fight. That's just how it is. And I and people might criticize Leon for 
not getting a finish. I heard that a few times. It's like, okay, this is Nate Diaz. Have you ever seen Nate Diaz? Yeah. yeah I, mean. I mean, I know like the Masvidal fight, his last one with the doctor stoppage, but if that doctor doesn't step in, I don't think that fight's being finished. I, really I mean, don't. the lone legitimate like finished loss in the UFC was to Josh Thompson via head kick yeah. when he was in his absolute prime, which yeah. is still such an outlier in itself. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Nobody finishes the Diaz brothers. No, so um, – no, I don't want to discredit Leon there, but like he basically did everything he was he did everything he was supposed to do, didn't do anything to go beyond those expectations, and unfortunately that last minute yeah was like a bit of a faltering moment for him. Yep. So you know what, Dom? I'm gonna say it. When we're matchmaking for Leon Edwards, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm still not giving this guy a title fight. Uh, and part of the problem is timing because that's true. Kobe Covington, Kobe Covington is about to fight. It looks like Kamara Usman a second time, probably in the fall. And you know, Leon should probably fight again before he steps back in there, unless he wants another long layoff. And I know, like you know, Nate Diaz not being ranked. We know Nate Diaz is probably a top fifteen welterweight or close to it, anyways. Yeah, uh, we just. He, he's just so – it's just different. Like You kind of put him, like, away he's from He's in, him. like, the Diaz division. It's yeah, just him it's and Nick. Like, That's it. It's like you just separate them from the yeah. ring. It's like they're, they're – it's a credit to beat those guys. Yes, yes. But to do it in the fashion he did, you just wonder, like, okay, if Nate Diaz was able to, like, hurt Leon the way he did, what do you think Kamaru Usman is going to do to him? The Kamaru we've been seeing. Yeah, you know? so, Not the Kamaru that beat Leon years ago. This is the new breed. So I wanted to try – when I was trying to match make, I wanted to try to force Leon to get a top five win. That's something that he's kind of not been able to do. But the only guy in the top five that would make sense right now is Vicente Luque, and he's already beat him a long time ago. Right. So I don't necessarily want to run that fight back. So I'm going to go with number six, Michael Chiesa. Chiesa would be cool, yeah. Test him in the grappling. A guy who will be bigger than him, um, unlike Nate in this fight. And, um, yeah, I think that – I don't know how fun of a fight it would be, but I think it would at least be the kind of fight that both guys need to get over the hump right now. Do you know how I truthfully feel about Leon, like, in this moment of his career? After watching him. I think you're more on board with him than I am. I don't know. Well, no, I'm just – it's after these this 10 in a row, 10 wins, and I'm at the point now to where <clears throat> all these guys, like, if I'm looking at this top 10 – I feel confident in like picking Leon against most of them, unless it's Kamaru Usman, which is odd because you see him get rocked so badly against Nate Diaz. But I don't know. It's just the way I look at him is it's just different. It's weird. He's in such a hard spot. It didn't get any easier. The poor guy pokes ball in the eye, then wins twenty four minutes of this fight, but then gets yeah. rocked in the last minute. It's just, it's awful for him. I don't want to match make outside of him waiting for a title, if he does want to stay active, you do still have a relatively marketable fight out there in Jorge Masvidal, the three-piece in the soda backstage in London, England. I don't know if the UFC's big on it. I don't know if Jorge's big on it. I know Leon doesn't want anything but a title fight. So if I have to at least say anything that's different, maybe Jorge, but I don't think we're going to see him again until it's for a title. I think we're going to see another long layoff, unfortunately, for Leon. It is unfortunate. Now for Nate Diaz, 
He I, said he wants to fight in about four three months. to four months. Yeah, I saw that. Crazy. I have a fight in mind, and it doesn't matter if it's this is that fight is at one hundred and fifty five pounds or one hundred and seventy pounds. I think you're pulling it out of my brain. But I'm going to go with uh, El Kikui, Tony Ferguson, the guy who yep. has lost three straight fights. Yep. But I think a fight with Nate Diaz, like, I mean, what else is for Tony to do at this point than to have a fight like that? I mean, talk about this favorites. on our roundtable, too. Yeah, two fan favorites. Neither guy is going to be a natural 170 pounder, both are more natural to 155. So that's why you can kind of do it at either division because Nate seems content with sticking at 170 for the most part. So it's a violent fight, man. Yeah. And um, if Tony loses, then I think that's his. Nate can hold the door open for him as he leaves, mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, that's just that's kind of the end. I think that's the fight. I really do. I think the fans would go nuts if that fight got announced. No if one I, would have an issue. If I was with a it. betting man, though, if we were betting people, would you bet money that that would be Nate's next fight? Because for me, I would still bet that it might be another fight with Jorge Masvidal. Mm. Because that fight was supposed to happen at the end of last year. Not sure Mm. why it didn't happen. As much as I don't care to see it again, it probably is more likely than a Tony Ferguson matchup. Yeah. It's a good point. Either way, whatever Nate does, it's going to be massive. That's obvious, clearly. His star could, power did not falter with this loss, that's for sure. Dana said the guy's going to walk in and ask for a six-round fight in his next meeting with him. So yeah. who knows, man? That guy, well, what a special talent and mm-hmm. just superstar. It's crazy. Noah. The Assassin Baby. The worst nickname in MMA. It should be the Baby Assassin. Yes, Exactly. Okay. Yeah, Brandon that, Moreno. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 uh, it's not important. Okay. Because I was about to really bring the thunder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring it. Bring it. Brandon Moreno gets the job done. He is now in my nominations for performance of the year for 2021. Mm-hmm. He submits Davis and Figueredo and new flyweight champion of the world, the first ever Mexican born UFC champion. Not only does he submit Davison and force him to tap, he dominates him for 12 and a half minutes until he inevitably locks in the rear naked choke. Two minutes and 26 seconds into round three. Noah, Brandon Moreno, you told me before this, brought a little tear to your eye. Explain to everyone this, just how special this moment felt. I can speak as a, as a huge fan of this sport. I can say I've never come to tears before Saturday night. I was brought to teary, misty-eyed, who's cutting onions? That mm. was me with Man. Brandon Moreno's performance here. Complete, And, you know, I love Davis and Figueredo. Have you, you guys if you guys, if you guys have followed this this uh, podcast for a while, you should know that we have spoken highly oh, about very highly. Figueredo's run. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's a fight we've talked about more than him and Joseph Benavidez, too. It's been on at least 29 episodes. Our very first episode of the State Of centered around Davison and his kind of carry job of the men's flyweight division through 2020. Yep. And, you know, this was a tough loss for him. It was very one-sided defeat. But it was a defeat that I felt was kind of needed because I'm ready to see Davison take on the Bantamweight division. But I'm on focus still on Moreno. 
Wow. See, when I saw Moreno just breaking down in the octagon when they were announcing him as the victor, I literally just started getting tears in my eyes. I was like, this is what I love about MMA, what I love about sports in general, just to see grown men brought to this kind of emotional, you know, this is a sport about fighting. This is the, the toughest guys in the world. Yeah. You got a guy like Brandon Moreno who loves Legos and Pop Funko toys and yep. stuff like that. Mm. And he goes in there and one-sidedly defeats an absolute killer in Davidson for three um, rounds. I mean, and the story of Brandon Moreno, one of the last picks on the Ultimate Fighter season 14, gets cut by the UFC in 2018, earns his way back, goes to a draw against Davidson in December, and then dominates him in the rematch. You, I mean, that's something you see in, like, books. It's really, truly so special. Again, making history for the country of Mexico, setting the standard. He's been wanting to prove, and he says it all the time, it's not just boxing in Mexico. I want to prove that these kids, that's not the only route. If you love combat sports, you can do MMA. Now he's at the tippy top of the mountain. You saw today, they already have a mural up of him on a wall in Tijuana, his home uh, there in Mexico. Yep. I mean, just it's, a, it's such an amazing story. And to see these guys, these human beings, achieve the absolute epitome of their sport and a, you know, their goal that they set out on years ago, that's what I think makes something like this so special. Yeah, and Mexico in general has been a, a um, market that the UFC has kind of not been able to capitalize on. And a lot of that's yeah. because it's just so dominated by boxing. Yep. But also you look at someone like Cain Velasquez who came through and really tried, they really tried to make him kind of that that representative and he just, you know, injuries and stuff and unfortunate losses, you know. Even in Mexico faltered, yep, by the way. <laughs> that, that he wasn't ever quite able to capitalize on that. And for Moreno, he has a chance to really – carry that and you could tell i know this was in arizona and i'm pretty sure they have a pretty high hispanic population mm -hmm. they love just as much of a star as nate diaz and israel adesanya were this yeah time. what's that tell you about this this kid? guy this kid is he's 27 we were talking about davison figueredo's star potential and i still think the guy can be a stud star and i mean he's got that look you know mm-hmm but we that was Dude. before when we were talking about that, it was before he fought Moreno. And to see who truly ends up being a star here might end up being Brandon Moreno is just so interesting. If he can string some title defenses together, buddy, they're gonna strap the rocket ship to his back. I mean, this guy this guy's gonna have a Lego set built after him. I don't doubt that <laughs> either, by the way. I mean, what a story, what a performance. I the performance in itself, right from the opening bell, the speed. The accuracy of his punches, the takedowns. I mean, everything was spot Drop on. Davis he looked flawless. Yeah. Drop him with the he nearly finished it in the first round. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, not I'm not taking anything away uh, from Figgy because he, he didn't look great. But Moreno's performance was unbelievable. Looked flawless. Not one thing that I could nitpick in that whole fight. Unbelievable. And I'm kind of glad if you anybody watched the post-fight press conference, Dana didn't – I was worried that they he might commit already to like a to running it a third time between these two. Thanks. And I don't. Not. I think that this is shut book shut closed. I think this rivalry's done. Yes. Moreno has an obvious next challenger, and that's Askar Askarov. Yes, they and there's a story four, to it. Yep. And they fought to a draw. People. Yep. Yep. 
Marino, that's a set. Marino has two draws, and it's Davison. He bounced back from that one, and he had a draw with Askar Askarov. Can he bounce back from that one? And Askar undefeated outside of the draw. I yeah. mean, ooh, that was a good voice crack there. But <laughs> yes, I mean that there. You already got the storyline. He's the, the timeline lines up because Askar fall. I think it was in March against uh, Benavides or something like that. Yeah, I think so. so. Timelines are going to line up here. Maybe by the end of the year. We get to run that fight back. I'm excited for the uh, grapple-heavy guy uh, for Askar and Moreno, as good as it gets in the grappling as well. But on the feet, man, and we saw how good he's starting to get there. Love that fight. That's the one that's got to be next for Brandon. Davis and Figueredo, you're going to Bantamweight, pal. You got I'm to. Gonna, and I'm going to put you up with the top top contender in that division. Uh-oh. Number Uh-oh. three, Rob Font. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Really now? Yeah. Hello. I mean, I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't um, hate it. I was looking and I was like, okay, maybe I should start Davison out with just like top ten, and then we'll we'll work our way to you know. This is a tough loss for him. It was a pretty one sided one, but Davison's so good, man. He's yeah. so good, and I actually think he might be better at bantamweight. He walks around at 165 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, What do you always say? He cuts a quarter. Of his body mm-hmm. weight. 25% of his body weight he has to cut to make the weight class. That, should, that shouldn't be physically possible. No. So uh, 10 pounds might not sound like a lot, but it's going to make a world of a difference, I believe. Because yeah, he just so, did not look like the same figgy to me. He really didn't. So I'm going with Rob Font because Rob's, you know, he's coming off a big win over Cody Garbrandt. But he's in if, an you get a win, if you get a win over a former champion, that could be what you really need to push mm-hmm. for that title shot with it the next year, you know. Okay. I didn't think about this until right now. I'm just going to – I'm gonna. I feel like I know it. what you're going to say, and I'm just not ready for it. Number nine ranked Dominic Cruz. Oh, no, that's not what I thought you were going to say. What did you think? Uh, I thought you might say Cody. Oh, no. Um, I think Cody might go down for sure now. I don't know what's going to happen with Cody. But for Davison, I don't think the fight will happen, but that's Dominic the one I'm going to say anyway. Could be interesting. I don't know. Tickled my fancy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I like that or not. Mm. Former champion, not, number nine. Yeah, I mean, they're both former champions. We know how good Dominic Cruz still is. I think I just – I feel like that'd be kind of a lot. Size-wise, I feel like Cruz is just so much bigger. That's the problem with Figgy is that his weight is so heavy. He's only 5'5", five, five, though. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's weird. But he doesn't need to be at 125 no more. That I can confidently say. Yeah, agreed. Thank you for your run, though, Davison. My God. It, yeah. it wasn't long, but, man, did he it put was on such a show. A, it felt, like, so intertwined with the COVID era of UFC, yeah. the 2020. Yeah. That guy was one of the biggest stars. He was nearly – or he was our male fighter he of the year. He was our fighter of the year, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, good for him. And for Brandon. Now. All right. All right. Let's – I know. I, <laughs> well, I'm just, you know – when you got to fight like that and you got to go to this one, anyways. The main event, the other rematch, the third and final rematch on the card, Israel Adesanya defends his middleweight title for the third time successfully against number three ranked Marvin Vittori in a five round unanimous decision victory. Um, Izzy did what Izzy does. I mean, he really had a near flawless performance outside of getting a finish. He had, the leg kicks were brutal. His striking was on point as ever. Uh, we talked about this a lot off camera, and we'll talk about it a bunch now. Grappling, 
you'd think in just three short months there wouldn't be many improvements, but damn, was there ever. He looked good in the takedown defense. When he did get taken down, was able to get back up. Marvin Vittori had him nearly locked into a rear naked choke that had me jumping out of my seat. Not only does he escape the rear naked, reverses position and lands top control ground and pound. It just it was something of Izzy that we hadn't seen yet, and the improvements that he continues to make, ultra impressive at the, the speed at which he is learning. You guys got to remember, Izzy's been in the UFC for three years, and he's ten and one now with three title defenses. Yeah, ten we, and both, at middle. we both uh, scored the first round for Vittori too. Very yeah, I scored overall forty nine forty six. Yeah. But like we're you know we were probably <laughs> we probably think this was less of a shutout than most people do, but. Um, Vittori, it seemed like every time Vittori did something good in this fight, it would be countered even harder if yep. you're talking about striking. And then he had some nice takedowns, but they were countered into where before really landing Nothing much damage. Accumulated up. Yeah. And then Adesanya would reverse the position very impressively and be able to either land some ground and pound or get up. Yeah. Um, the longer this fight went on, Vittori just started to wilt. You know, yeah. those, those yeah. championship rounds, his cardio didn't hold up like it did against Hermanson. His leg was so battered. His dude. leg was battered. I mean, the dude's a the dude is a savage. He a tank. Yeah. A tank of a man. His his greatest asset in this fight was his, his heart, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, but Adesanya just showed there's levels. And he is still the best. I mean, I think this was the best chance you had at beating Adesanya at 185 pounds. A lot of people are gonna disagree with me on that because uh, there's another guy out there. But um, I'm still going to stand by. I think this might have been the best chance you have at beating Adesanya with this kind of style of fighter. Yeah. And it wasn't even close. It, it was – I mean, it was close for a little bit, and then it wasn't, like, yeah. at all. I mean, the, the later this fight went on, it just became very one-sided, and Adesanya just shows again how good he is. A lot of people might have forgot that. You know, some of the shine – might have dimmed on him after his loss to Blahovich, but his grappling, especially at 185 pounds, ultra. Oh, I'm times. so impressed. I mean, he was still going up against a very big 185 pounder in Vittori. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being able to reverse those positions pretty effortlessly, I mean, that's impressive stuff, man. Every because he, he wasn't able to kind of do it against Blahovich, just trying to power out and stuff. But here, uh, looked incredible. Yeah, when it's more of the level playing field in terms of the size, it, that's very impressive, man, for him to already be improving at such a quick rate. And to do it against a guy that, again, is very strong and can just impose his will and kind of lay on people and just kind of sit, he gets right back up, controls the whole pace of the fight, was fighting on his back foot a lot, doing a lot of counter-striking. Man, I'm telling you, when he was doing some of that head movement last night, up against the fence, bobbing and weaving, I looked at all of my buddies that were sitting here with me watching, and I'm like, I can't help but just think prime time Anderson Silva, too. I mean, it was just – it's. So special. That's that passing of the torch fight that they had ever so present in my mind. And when he was doing that, I was like, oh, it's Anderson. It's, it was so special in my heart. I loved it. Israel Adesanya, he's a different breed, a different level. And we know what's next for him. It's a rematch with Robert Whitaker, the former champion. I mean. Mm. I know you're more pro- – I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be really excited for that fight. I love Robert Whitaker, Adesanya, star in the making. That fight was huge the first time. I mean, Highest got the uh, attendance for, ever, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it might break that with the second fight. Uh, Whitaker's done everything you should do. And then You're some. a champion and lose your belt. Yeah, and then some, really. Um, More than what most time. do. It's time to run it back. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, 
I think this time it'll be more competitive. I still stand by Vittori's style of fighter might have been the best chance to really beat Adesanya, but I don't want to doubt Bobby Knuckles either, man. That guy yeah. is just <laughs> – you can't he's not fight, love that guy. He's fight, he's showing more and more. He's still improving. So, well, his fight with Gastelum was just unbelievable. And you know, Izzy said he wants October. He's ready to go in October. And guess what? And there ain't no headliner yet for October. So that very well may be the headlining spot there. Hopefully, down on under in Australia or New Zealand, depending on their COVID restrictions. If not, bring it to the States, baby. Hey, you can bring it to Ohio, Dana, if you want. I mean, if you send him to Arizona, you can bring him here. But uh, I'm excited for that one. It's definitely what's going to be next. For Vittori, I think there's two good options. So, so we'll probably my, touch on both. So I'm going to go with the one, the guy who's in a weird spot right now, who put himself in a weirder spot recently. I figured. Yeah. Number two, Paulo Costa. Yep. The two guys that have both lost to, uh, to Adesanya within a year. Um both, I mean, okay, Paulo got embarrassed by Adesanya. Yes. I wouldn't say Vittori got embarrassed by Adesanya, but at the same time, towards the end, he was getting played with a little bit. He had the smack on the ass and stuff And he like even that. grabbed his ass. That's what I meant. Yeah, grabbed his ass. Or a lot whatever. of action I mean, in there. A little. <laughs> he's like, he was knuckle deep in that man's Again, ass. guys, we're lonely, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it just makes sense for those two to really kind of Whoever loses that potential fight would really take a step back. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think sure. that's why you two versus three makes a lot of sense. Uh, the only other option, Derek Brunson, number five uh, guy on a five fight <laughs> win streak right now, still needs one more. It's obvious. Well, he's got a now. fight coming up, doesn't he? Oh yeah, true. He does. Okay, well I'll go even one step further then. He's fighting um, Till, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Marvin Vittori. Gets the winner of Brunson and Till. Unless Till wins, they might throw him into a title fight. We've discussed this before. Mm -hmm. But if not, I'll go Vittori with the winner of Brunson-Till. Yeah. I totally forgot about that fight. Yeah. But um, still, I like both of those. So Yeah. Um, shout out Marvin Vittori, though. I mean, I, he really, you know, it, it, it's tough going five rounds with Israel Adesanya. Yeah. As has been proven in the past, you know, Robert Whitaker couldn't go five rounds with him the first time. Paulo Costa couldn't. You know, Yoel Romero could, but they basically just stood in front of each other for five rounds. <laughs> I just so spit Bittori, on my screen. <laughs> so Batori was able to do it and, you know, had his moments. But at the end of the day, I mean, Adesanya just showed why there's, there's levels. levels. But uh, that's going to wrap it up here for our results and recap of UFC 263. Let us know your thoughts. Um, if you want to leave a voice message, we will have a Reddit roundtable on Wednesday. Yeah, send in some questions. We so got send one. In some questions. We got one right now. Um, I'll obviously be pulling some from Reddit, Twitter, wherever. But uh, if you comment on our Twitter or Instagram, which Dominic will plug, and it's in the top right corner if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah. Um, Leave questions, and we'll answer those on Wednesday, whether it's about these fights or anything upcoming. Anything. Surprise us. Yeah. But, uh, we can talk Dominic. about the streaming services. <laughs> yeah, but until then, <laughs> tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at DSLEE14. Um, really fun guy over there. If not, you better go follow our podcast, damn it, at BAJ <laughs> underscore MMA podcast. Constantly updating there, live tweeting on fight nights, doing polls, interacting with the community. Had some interactions over the weekend. Uh, Instagram or posting whenever our new episodes go live. So 
give us a follow there as we keep continuing to uh, build this community. And as for me, if you go to my Twitter, Instagram, it's at NTBaker underscore. To my bio, there is a link to our link tree. Gives you links to all the platforms the podcast is on, along with social media platforms, um, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, along with a couple links for our anchor page, leaving a voice message. If you want to donate to the podcast, there's a link on there. Um, so make sure to check those out. But again, that's at NTBaker underscore for my Twitter and Instagram. But uh, that's it. We're out. We'll see you all on Wednesday.